we talked about her when she popped up on another episode. But uh, oh as my a God, kid, I was yeah. like, Evelyn is hot. What is? Nope. I'm not old enough to have I that thought feels. yet. But <laughs> I feel I would not understand for a lot of years. Franklin as Skeletor feels like a prank. Well, Skeletor feels like a prank. Let's All be real. Time. Like the whole yeah. existence of Skeletor. Who would you cast as a very rich man made of somehow skeletons? Who like, would you cast as modern Skeletor? Like, who is both ripped enough and can pull off the voice? I refuse to like have a voice actor and just a body. It must be the his one name? person. Um, that buff but DMD player, like Mangiello or something. Ooh, oh. Joe Mangiello. Oh. Him. Him, oh, because he is a D and D nerd, he can do the acting, and he is yeah. gigantic. That is, like yeah. Ooh, really that is an inspired pick. casting. Great pick, and he's can comfortable get... being like shirtless. So you know, my my Seriously. pick was going to be, can we get Matt Berry on steroids? I did not see that coming. I'm not going to lie. Okay, should we talk about the Invisible Man? Yes, I, mean, I probably. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we did all watch it. Um, yes, yes. All right. yeah. yes. So let me jump into this. Let me do our, our intro here. Good evening and welcome. To progressively horrified. The show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're kicking off our 2020 Halloween month with our new twists on old properties. We are talking about the remake, the 2020 remake of a horror classic full of people screaming at empty rooms. It's The Invisible Man. Uh, I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cenobites. First, they're here to challenge the sexy werewolf, sexy vampire binary, my co-host, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Hashtag dark universe, baby! Let's go! If they actually were going to build... A Derek universe. This would have been the movie to start it off with. I'm not going to lie. The broad strokes that this movie does resemble the 2017 Mummy movie is wild. <laughs> yeah. The, the, they chose yeah. to make that bad Mummy movie and try and launch it off that and to try and launch it off the bad Dracula movie, Dracula Untold. Well, they have this oh. one in the chamber is wild. And to help us discuss that in the cinnamon roll of Cenobites, our co-host, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I mean, I have emotions. I'm glad I still do. I will say, yeah, I will say that speaking of universes, like this is what would happen if Iron Man was like slightly worse. Like there was some point in the Iron Man in his character, there was like a crossroads where he could have gone. He was an Avenger. Avenger. That's what they are. Oh, they are now. And then, or somebody gave him a hug. Yeah. It wasn't his dad. We know that. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. John Slattery doesn't got time for hugs. No, yeah, but somebody I, did. <laughs> and our guests tonight, we have three longtime friends of the podcast here. First, podcaster and scientist, who I'm sure will help us out in depth on the very deep science of this film. Bronwyn <laughs> Kelly, say, Bronwyn, how are you? Oh, I'm great, thank you. I'm always excited to bring the science to the movies. <laughs> Fantastic. And our friend and comics writer, Susan Beneville. Susan, how are you? Traumatized. I'm sure. <laughs> if this movie we didn't traumatize you at least a little bit, I'd be worried. Me too. And finally, a podcast reviewer and all-around amazing creator, Alexis Sanchez. Alexis, welcome back. 
Thank you. I'm very excited to be back and we'll be bringing up my favorite movie at some point. But this movie is, yeah, it's a trip. (laughs) It is a lot. And it's sort of confusing to dive into who made this movie because it is written and directed by Leigh Whannell, who wrote and starred in Saw and who wrote the first few movies of the Insidious franchise. I think he's moved on since then because there's 20 of them now. And it is, of course, based very loosely on the H.G. Wells story. And it does, it has a strong but small cast. We have Elizabeth Moss, who is put to incredible use in this film. We have Aldous Hodge, who is there. Hawkman himself! <laughs> Liked him in this. We thought he was yeah, great. Yeah. He, was be- he was better than Black Adam, that's for sure. This movie's had muscles. Yeah, we have, uh, you know, we have Storm Reed. We have Oliver Jackson Cohen as our... Uh, eponymous villain in this and michael dorman as his hapless and very punchable brother and then of course harriet dyer who i think was the sister to elizabeth moss character who i think is going to be the discussion of a lot of she's going to center of a lot of friction i think between us on this podcast (laughs) because i have very strong feelings about about her support or lack thereof in this been a while since we had a good old-fashioned chip on this podcast Oh, yeah, she is. She has strong chip energy. I know Susan and, and Bronwyn had different feelings about her when we were talking before the podcast. So we will definitely get into that. But before we go. Yeah, sister debate. Sister debate. Our new segment. Sisters, are you for or against? I am How extremely you pro sister. I'm anti sisters. Pro sister. Pro sisters in law. I'm anti sisters. Pro Sister Act the Musical. I'm anti Sister Act the Musical. That's fair. It was not very good. I am pro Sister Sister. So, me too. Aw, classic show. Although, mixed feelings on the stars of that show. Oh, did they fucking Stacey dash it up? Oh, only one of them. One of oh, them okay. is still great. The other one is. Yeah. The other one, got the other, the other one real Stacey dash. Just wait. Yeah, just one has made some decisions. Okay, so let me jump in and recap this real quick. I'm going to try and keep it fairly short, so we have plenty of time to talk about this. Uh, Meet the so, HG Wells. So we follow the movie follows Cecilia Elizabeth Moss's character. She is not a man nor invisible, but she is going through an extraordinary amount of care as we find her at the beginning to escape from her controlling boyfriend Adrian, including drugging him, turning off cameras and alarms, sneaking out through the garage and getting picked up by her sister at a country road near their house in the middle of the woods, only to nearly be foiled by her desire to free the shot-collared dog, Zeus, and the fact that her sister Emily is a somewhat self-obsessed shithead who can't read a room even when that room is an abandoned abandoned country road by her sister's controlling boyfriend's house in the middle of the night. Uh, Audience, I I can attest that Jeremy is describing the scene quite accurately. No, no. Failing at context. Someone is failing to read the room here. (laughs) So Adrian almost snatches her out of the car after breaking the window, which finally gives Emily the hint that maybe they should get out of there. Emily will continue to be the fucking worst throughout until she's not anymore. Uh, (laughs) Cecilia, two, two weeks later, Cecilia is now living with her cop friend, James. We don't know how she knows James. They don't discuss it. I guess they went to school together or something. It's a little difficult to figure out. He has a daughter, 
Sydney, um, who is Storm Reed, one of the, you know, she's she's doing a good job here. She's used pretty sparingly, but she's hiding from them in an effort to hide from Adrian, who I guess doesn't know them. However, Emily comes over and is kind of a dick about delivering good news that Adrian has apparently killed himself and she doesn't have to worry about that anymore. The chick is Emily's whole vibe. Kind of need the context there. What she I... does have to worry about is Adrian's shitty brother, Tom, who forces her to come to him to get grief about getting Adrian's money from his will. Tom is also the worst. More on that later. She immediately uses the money to set up an account for a little Sydney to go to Parsons School of Design so that she can be taught fashion by Tim Gunn, a worthy dream if ever there was one. But, oh, she feels like she's being watched and a series of weird and bad things start happening until finally... She passes out at a job interview and the hospital says it's because of all the diazepam that she's been taking, but she hasn't been taking diazepam. That's what she drugged Adrian with before losing the bottle while she was escaping. And suddenly it's showed up back in her bathroom with a bloody fingerprint on it. She knows for sure now that Adrian is alive and somehow invisible and is stalking her without her being able to see him. It's worth mentioning at this point that Adrian is a noted tech billionaire in the in the field of optic they're very vague about this and for good reason extremely good reason oh incredibly vague it is just he's just he's rich he's a leader in optics but you know he's a shithead because he has that house on the coast and you know that shit is going to be falling into the ocean very very nice house though i mean it's some real like super villain like oh i'm a like scientist who just like He's a a silver scientist, scientist? supervillains. That house is so nice that it's not actually real. It's three different houses. They had to film three different houses to make a house that nice. Also, this whole thing is filmed in Australia, which is why, like, the scene of her running through the woods at night looks a little weird because they're running through a Christmas tree farm in Australia because they can't (laughs) have time. Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Like, presumably, he's in charge of a company that does... Optics. optics. Yeah, they do optics, <laughs> which stuff. includes invisibility research. So it's it's not like the kind of optics where you hire them to make you look like you're not shitty after you won't pay your writers. It's the yeah. kind of optics. <laughs> yeah, where, yes, where there's they, optics, and then you hire optics. them so people won't see you. <laughs> Although um, I'm pretty sure I'm, he's got people who are working on that. Uh, like I'm secretly dead campaign. Like that's now that's yeah. optics right there. Yeah. Like, if someone told me they were in optics, I'd be like, oh, so, like, sunglasses? This, this guy is... Do you own this sunglasses? Guy, this guy Let is me... what Elon Musk thinks he is. Down to, like, the super villain part yeah. of it. Like, Absolutely. He, he is 100%. that guy. So I'm pretty Cecilia... sure I saw Will and Hannibal fall off this cliff at the end of the <laughs> Hannibal series, too. Like, spoilers. But anyway, continue. Cecilia tries to tell Emily about this. But Emily just got a shitty email from Cecilia saying that she's too clingy and going through a list of her faults. So she's going to slam the door in her obviously distressed sister's face. Invisible men or not, this bitch hasn't heard of email hacking. Luckily, Elon definitely, I mean, would relate to a movie starting with a woman just leaving a tech billionaire. Yeah. Relatable content. He should be used to it by now. Luckily, after she goes home and falls and cries on the floor for a while, Sydney is there to comfort her until Sydney gets slapped while Cecilia is a solid five feet away from her. But now both her and James bail and are sure that Cecilia slapped her and they leave her to deal with shit on her own. That's the only, there's only real scene in this movie that I find fault with people's logic and 
is she saw me. She was like, wait, nowhere See, near close enough. There's some context missing from all this. We're going <laughs> to have to have another recap <laughs> here, folks. I don't know. I no. want to hear what I want to hear your context filling in because I think that, you know, this we'll, is yeah, but I, I have I have context for all. OK, OK, OK. <laughs> yeah. OK. So finally, Cecilia has the brilliant idea to call Adrian's phone and see if it rings somewhere in the house. Some people, including my wife, will say, why would Adrian keep his phone? To which I say, Adrian is a self-important prick tech billionaire, and there's no way that he would give up his phone number or phone. Um, yeah, power move. Just because exactly. he's pretending to be dead. Yeah. Um, she finds the phone and a knife and a bag in the attic. She doesn't really ask many questions about the knife and the bag in the attic, which really she ought to. Uh, it also has, the phone has pictures of her sleeping. She's pretty sure adrian is on the ladder going into the attic so she throws paint and can now see the wild ass suit he's wearing full of a bunch of optic doodads that make him invisible apparently paint doesn't stick to this suit and you can wash it off instantly by coming near water because after a quick trip to the sink he's invisible again and actively attacking her in the house she runs outside and catches an uber back to their old shared home she Okay. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> Jeremy, you're falling down on the job. <laughs> she pokes around in the lab and finds an additional invisible suit now that she knows what he's, she's looking for and is carrying it around when she hears him return and hides it in the bathroom. Now it maneuvers him to get back to the lift. In the car, she calls her worst sister and gets her to meet at a Chinese restaurant where Emily is then shitty to the wait staff before she tries to shit on everything Cecilia says and then gets her sl- her throat slit by an invisible Adrian who then sticks a knife in Cecilia's hand. We lose the caro of Zipsil. I had to walk away. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with- Trevor did not deserve that, though. Yeah, Trevor the- was doing whatever you best. think about their relationship. She yeah. is unnecessarily mean to the poor guy who is trying to wait on them. Yes. Oh, yeah. And that is, dude is fine. I mean, he also can't read the room. At all. Like, if you want to talk about so people who can't read the room, there, it's he's him. Just, it's a Chinese like, restaurant. They make their profit off of, like, fast turnover. They're, they're a business. They're not there to be a meeting center. They can rent a fucking conference room or fucking WeWork. I'm, I'm with you on this one. their place of business. At least order some goddamn spring rolls. If Somewhere I'm where be... large knives would look more out of place. Yeah. Yeah. There's... Yeah. Cecilia gets shortly thereafter arrested and committed and remains certain that Adrian is constantly there watching her in her strangely large room in this mental health facility. Then she finds out from one of the nurses that the blood lead test lady who told her about the diazepam just forgot to tell her that she was pregnant with Adrian's baby. Suddenly, ah. Adrian's brother wants to talk. She can't get her money and neither can Sydney if she's committed and convicted for her sister's murder, but he can fix it all if she is willing to have the baby and take it back to Adrian. He is more punchable than ever at this point. She refuses and swipes his very fancy fountain pen in the process and then uses the pen to slit her wrists in the shower, telling Adrian he can never have the baby. He tries to stop her and now she knows where he is and stabs him a lot with that fucking pen. (laughs) glorious bunch of times leading to the security guards getting involved boy the security guards adrian yeah, is fucked up enough that they can now kind of see him but are completely ineffectual they keep literally falling down and getting stabbed and shot and everything else she manages to shoot him a few good times as he's running away adrian 
tells tells her that now that she's having his baby, he's going he's not going to hurt her. He's going to hurt someone else to punish her, starting with little Sydney. She steals the car and races back to James's house. Climactic confrontation ensues. Cecilia completely owns him, murders him, only to find out that it is very punchable Tom in the suit and not Adrian. Now Adrian is discovered miraculously alive and tied up in his own basement by the cops. He tries to pin the whole thing on Tom. Cecilia is not buying it, though, but she does agree to meet him and talk all this out. And She wears a wire so James can hear the confession she's going to get out of Adrian. But of course, Adrian is too canny for that and won't fess up, but says enough to just let her know for sure it was him so that she doesn't get any ideas. But that was never her plan in the first place. She leaves dinner to go pee and retrieves the hidden suit in the bathroom and then uses it to make it look like Adrian slits his own throat before discovering him dying and calling 911 and then standing just outside of his security camera to taunt him as he dies, which is very satisfying for the end of this film. She then takes the suit and the dog and basically dares James to fuck around and find out as she's leaving the end. Bless. So yes. well, we have so many notes. So okay, let's talk about you got everything how everybody wrong, feels okay. about the sister here. <laughs> um, are we diving right in on Emily? Yeah, it I seems everybody has uh, diverging opinions about Emily here. So let's talk about Emily. Emily, podcast Emily, how are you doing in this discussion with your name being bandied about so much? I mean. <laughs> You know, I, I'm i interested to see how the, because it looks like there's a lot of people on Team Emily, and I, I don't know if I'm on Team Emily, but... I will um, say, just just for me personally, there has never been a not shitty Jeremy in a movie, so I just want to put that out there. <laughs> it's okay, I'm not, I'm, I can't even remember another uh, Bronwyn, so... I just want to probably had out Max, that I think. Nicolas Cage's character in National Treasures named Ben, so you're welcome. Yeah. I'm just I'm just attacked by every single Key and Peele joke, and I I accept that. Yeah, I accept that's it. fair. That's so Ben, fair. it um, sounds like you were on my side on the Emily thing, yeah. Yeah, like I'm glad she went to the dinner, but it was a lot of like, again, like the very first scene is being like her being like, God, why did you ask me to just pick you up? When you're clearly running away in the middle of the woods. Okay, okay. Like, let's talk about this, though, for a second. Okay? I know Susan's going to back me up on this, okay? Absolutely. Can we put this in a little bit of social context here, just for a second? Because as a femme-presenting person who has been stalked, I'm going to tell you that you get real isolated real fast, okay? It's terrifying. It is a horrible situation in which you are convinced that everything is your fault and no one has ever spoke you spoken to you and said that this is your fault. But you think everybody is going to be against you. You think everybody's going to blame you for this. You are not reaching out to anybody. The fact that she had the actual courage to call her sister and ask her to meet her in the middle of the night after she clearly has had no contact with anyone in her circle for years right. is a and big that, deal. And the really fact that Emily came to her in right. the middle little, of the night. And it's a little bit of like, there's a little missing context that is filled in very subtly later, mm-hmm. is when they're sitting at the table talking, a point you missed in your whole recap, but where basically, you know, we find out later that that Emily has not been, has been cut out of Cecilia's life. Like, basically, imagine if your sibling just kind of married some rich fancy dude, and then slowly just like whatever cuts you out of her life, and then suddenly out of nowhere... 
like without any context, without anything, says, hey, in the middle of the night, come pick me up. Doesn't explain anything. And you show up. They're standing there. I mean, I would spend a couple of seconds saying, hey, what the fuck? Yeah, sure, we can go somewhere. Just if Cecilia had just said, Adrian's going to try and come out of the woods and try and kill me, please floor it. I would have floored it. But she didn't. She what? So I think you have to sort of take into context this idea that Cecilia has been successfully isolated. Yeah. And her family and her friends don't have, have been cut off in her, right? So she has, from their perspective, it's like, what, who is this person? Why are you calling me? She's a completely different person from who they knew. What? Right, very much. That's a very important point. Like, who knows what, and that goes so into the whole thing with the email. We don't know what Cecilia did or said to Emily in the past. We know that Emily is a little bit, you know, towards um, her sister. And I think that represents the fact that her sister cut her out of her life at some point, and probably not pleasantly. And they have Um, not had an opportunity to have any of that out or have any kind of like reckoning on that one or... You know, Emily has been there for her the entire time without ever having an opportunity to deal with her feelings about having had her sibling ripped away from her. Right. Right. And so she delivers, you know, the sister to the friend and she and then there's a a kind of weird isolated. Yeah. And and, and then says again to her sister, I don't want you to contact me. I don't want you to see me because I don't want them to follow. And I think we're supposed to believe that it's been some time. Two weeks. Like a month or so. Emily picks her up, drops her off, and then is is pulled to go away. And so she comes back and she says, no, no, no. And Cecilia's busy yelling at her and being mean because you weren't supposed to come. You weren't supposed to be here. And Emily's like, look, chill. Shut up for a second. He's dead. Yeah. Like, you know, some reading now, you know, some kind of relationship. Some of these things, like these people are like this. We can sometimes come at these movies and looking at it like we know the rules for a horror movie. We know who's right. supposed to die and who's supposed to live and who's supposed to act what way and all of these things. But this isn't structured like a horror movie. And these people aren't acting the way a people in a horror movie would act. These are people who are acting the way people in this situation would act. Like Cecilia is acting like a traumatized person. And Emily's acting like a sibling who has been totally isolated, has dropped her entire life to come and help her sister and has had zero thanks and had to deal with somebody who's completely traumatized, which, let me tell you, emotionally draining. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm I, all bored with Cecilia being like absolutely traumatized and all that. Like that Elizabeth Mob fucking incredible. Yeah. But exactly. I, I utterly and completely remain team. Loved one comes running out of a forest into the car and says, we need to fucking go. You fucking go. Yeah. yeah you know, later. Gonna, like you, you can, can ask for an explanation at the TGI but that, Friday. That's that's like, but you're going to take two seconds to be like, what the fuck is happening? Like, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, but realistically in a situation like that, I, you know, there is the consideration like, are we doing a crime? Is there a crime that happened? Exactly. You know, you know and, and like, the, I think that there. Something. Yeah. And I think that there's some, there was this weird, like this point in the dialogue where the characters don't quite, like, they just miss the mark when they're trying to communicate to each other. So, and I think that's the, where, where we're getting this schism of, like, Team Emily as in the Team Anti-Emily. As this, uh, you know, because she's, she is kind of uh, the most... She's a servant. She's not necessarily a likable person. Likeable yeah, she's not. But she's doing yeah. her best yeah. in a really trying situation. Yeah, you know, and if she came to the door, if she came to the house and is like, hi... This guy's dead. You haven't told me what's up yet. I, you know, and again, like, 
there's been a lot that people have learned in the last three years about survival and yeah. like surviving a situation like that. So, you know, this movie may not be thinking about that. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are on our minds now that weren't when this movie was being made. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that is also something that is like worth considering. Certainly. I don't like Emily, the character. No. I don't think that she was the worst, but she was also like in that, like, the no, definitely not the plot. worst, especially in this movie. And, and, also, can we feel like that Adrian fucking smashed through a car window with one punch? Holy yeah, shit. That was yeah. some good foreshadowing for him being able to take on like 12 cops or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, we've we, we missed the part where his suit is super powered. Yeah. yeah. Until, until Emily context is, I guess I don't, because I, I'm a little bit of an acerbic person. Um, I can be sarcastic. I can be you know, you know, to the obnoxious waiter who keeps coming back and is like going through the road saying when clearly not reading the room. I thought part of it was Emily was adding that level of a little bit of comedic relief with that kind of banter. I did. But I think going back, there's two scenes that we've kind of skipped over. One is that really made me really love Emily. One was the when she's in the lawyer's office with her sister and the brother saying, I'm going to read this fucking shit. And Emily says, no, the fuck you are not. You're not okay. And that tough bitch that maybe too mean to the waiter is the one who has the guts and gumption to stand up to that little shitty lawyer guy and say, no, you are not going to re-traumatize my sister. The jellyfish. Yeah. She she puts her foot down. And to me, that was like the moment. I'm like, that's your sister. She's going to be there for you. Yeah. Uh, The restaurant scene is shades of gray because I'm like. Emily, I get why you're impatient. I get why you're short-tempered. I get why the interruptions are annoying. But also, Taylor, you're fucking killing it. You're doing great at your job. Yeah. Don't, you're doing nothing wrong, buddy. Well, and and both of those things are true, yes. right? No, no, yes, yes. Both yes. are true. Yes. Both of these things and thus true. is That's the cognitive point. dissonance of the world. Yeah, I mean, I will I will say, also, to, to Susan's point, the scene in the lawyer's office where, she's, where she dresses down the brother, that's easily like... Emily's high point. Emily is, oh, is yeah. has a good 100%. moment there. She seems to understand hurt. how traumatized Cecilia is there in a way that she doesn't for the rest of the movie. So like she it's a real it's a real kind of shitty sibling thing where she's like, You can't talk to my so. sister that way. I can talk to my sister that way. But I mean, also this movie never addresses her pain. Not that it's and it's not about her, so it doesn't have to. But there is an element there that I think the character plays to, which I think is a really interesting layer. Yeah, yeah I, I think there there's stuff there that like I think Emily has good moments like that. Also, like the the thing that irritates me is the like when we're talking about the email section, right? Like she was there for even being in the room with Tom, the brother, who she knows like hates her, wants a reason to take her money back, would also like to isolate her in the way that Adrian has, even if she doesn't believe that Adrian is walking around in an invisibility suit, which for obvious reasons she might not. But to like, if your sister comes to your house, like weeping at noon and you're like, I got an email from you at 6 a.m. that says that you hate me and that, you know, all this other stuff. And she's like, I didn't send that. There has to be a point at which you're like, well, it is email. Like, yeah, it is possible for people for somebody to send yeah. me an email it under is. your account. But it doesn't or have name. to be right then. Yeah, I don't I don't have to slam to the door angry. in your face. <laughs> yeah. Like if she does, go to the dinner. 
you know, exactly. I agree. So the email one, like, and I think I was glad that they at least showed us the text so we could read some of the email mm-hmm. because yeah. that didn't read like controlling dude email. That read like something a sister would would send to a sister. Like it's it it was that kind of mean, and and again. This is a place where in the writing of the story, maybe if there had been a little bit more context around their relationship and around the isolation of Cecilia and how Emily felt about it, then I think, I, I agree with you, Jeremy, that there's kind of a disconnect there and it's it's a little plot, you know, cover, what do you want to call it? Yeah, she's got horror movie blinders to, to further isolate, you know, the whole thing is that we're, we're continuing to isolate Cecilia, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we have to like, you know, could the writers have come up with a better way to separate Emily and Cecilia in this point? Yeah, probably. Maybe. Or give yeah. us some other reason to think the email is, you know, is enough. But, you know, Emily still does show up and she still does talk to her for about two seconds. And, and I, I suspect mean, that Emily was about to be totally clutch in that moment, which is why Adrian had to take her out. Yeah. Talk yeah. Well, she. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, um, I, I think there's. You know, you can trace out the logic and intellectualize and like the emotional responses, but hey, it's a scene where this is a movie that has put us extremely in Cecilia's perspective. We like Cecilia a lot. We are incredibly sympathetic, especially in this heightened moment. And this is just the moment where a character is really mean to a character we really like who is going through just the worst. Yeah. Time. Yeah. yeah. Um, except for except for Alicia, who was angry at Cecilia the whole time for not knowing she was in a movie called The Invisible Man. Well, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, she was married to like, the, the movie's called with... The Invisible Man. Clearly, there's an invisible <laughs> yeah. guy doing these things to you. There's, there's footprints well, on the the blanket. What are you doing? Here's the thing about that. Did she like, also was... watch Lord of the Rings and be like, "Why are they not making a Fellowship yet? Don't they know that's the title of the movie?" <laughs> there's is taking a long time to come back. Yeah. For real. Love you, Alicia. Yeah, Thank you for editing this episode. <laughs> more your glory. Yes. I mean, I wasn't there, so I'm not going to, I have no, I have no opinion on what Alicia said or did not say. <laughs> the other thing, like the Iron Man thing that I said earlier was one of my pitches for this movie, my made up pitches. My other pitch was, what if men, but invisible? Okay. I do want to say, if this is our alternate take on Iron Man, I I do not think Gwyneth Paltrow could have pulled off Elizabeth Moss's role. No, oh, no, not, not even a second. little. This no, is a no, very different no. movie with I, Gwyneth I, Paltrow I will in say, the lead. I would like to see her try. I, 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 yeah. would, I yeah. would enjoy would need a watching, lot of alcohol. watching I don't know that Gwyneth I could Paltrow attempt, that. attempt this Actually, part. I mean, I'd, be I'd like to see Gwyneth Paltrow as, as Emily in, in this particular yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. She's probably Emily. You just want to see her get I just watched that one scene anyway. Yeah, you might have like... Did we interpret that the suit is super powered? Because I just interpreted that as, oh, yeah, this is Oliver Jackson Cohen, and that dude's built like a tank. Well, yes. Yeah. All of the above. So uh, I don't I mean, know. It could, be, about... it could be super strength because there's also, he's also just like, just I mean, fucking wrecking dudes. I'm assuming that there's got to be some element of, of structural super strength or oh, Emily. Oh, I want to know what Alexis thinks about Emily, not me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, like, she's clearly not like a likable person because she is abrasive and everything but like like they said like she's also hasn't seen her sister and that's such a like i feel like immediate like sister response to like 
any kind of trauma and just like, what are you doing? Like, how did this happen? Why, like, why are you just now coming to me? And just like all these responses that are just like, what the fuck? But also like, yeah, I mean, she was an asshole to the waiter, but like also read the room, my dude. That's part of being a waiter. Just like you wouldn't interrupt a couple and they're like starting to bite you. Try just like. No, nobody in this movie waiter. can read a room, I will yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. I think so that's like, the bottom line yeah. there. She's. I mean, I think that's actually a really interesting way to, to maybe tagline this movie is read the room. Because <laughs> Except, a lot of that panning to the room that's empty. The only yeah. that, the only yeah. person in this movie who read the room was the nurse on the phone who was trying to tell Cecilia that she was pregnant. Yeah. But, like, maybe I shouldn't tell you over the phone, but there's something. Like, Let me tell important. you in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, Elizabeth, but Cecilia. Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, she wasn't. So, I mean, she's wonderful. It no. sucks that she's in a cult. Oh, no. 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 Oh, what? she's a Scientologist. No. no. My apologies no. for breaking this. Oh, all no. Down. no. Yes. The more you yeah. doubt. Well, that, like, another no. one bites the dust. Because so she much of this movie is it. her just she was like. She's like, so talented. Uh, I guess she comes by a second generation Scientologist. Like Beck. Does that make it better? I honestly no. am not sure. No. Like I'm honestly, no, it asking. doesn't. I don't know. No, because this uh, this Scientology has got gotten worse. It's gotten worse, and it's gotten like more and more desperate, and probably more and more insidious. As you know, I've I only like learned this from True Crime podcast. So yeah. if you want to know more, go to them. So normally, I wouldn't call documentaries horror movies for reasons, no. but if you want a documentary that will freak you the hell out it's going clear that Ooh, yeah. documentary yeah. Oh, that freaks me one. out every time i watch it i watch it more than three times because it's so good but it's like it chills you and yeah, we, we only I, talk yeah. about fake crime here and so there's yeah right plenty, we, plenty of people covering real crime wikipedia is revealing more of the world building of this movie we talked about adrian and just Whatever his company Military does as, stuff, op- right? as head of optics. Well, uh, apparently he is the CEO of Cobalt, which is the evil company from the director's previous movie, Upgrade. Ah, so, I watched Upgrade. Simple Man and Upgrade <laughs> in the same cinematic universe. I didn't know that. I didn't that know that. That is yeah, it's so. it's everything. It is a superpower suit. It could yeah. be. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I was thinking there had to be some sort of structural upgrade of some kind. <laughs> Yeah, because it's made out of glass. Like there, those are camera lenses. It has to be somehow strong to be able to protect those little lenses. And so that's what yeah. I'm okay. So cool that, that that's design. where the disconnect I'm went for me, though. No, like full disclosure, I, you know, I I'm a scientist and I am a bit of a jack of all trades, so I know a, lo- a little about a lot of different things. But optics isn't one of them. So <laughs> <laughs> like I I read like physics and quantum mechanics and stuff like that on like for fun because it's very interesting and entertaining. But yes. Uh, optics is a is a weird one for me but like cameras you'd we'd want projectors like you'd want something like that was projecting light as opposed yeah. to like re- like that so it, it looked good like, but it didn't work <laughs> yeah i wasn't yeah, sure I mean, what it was supposed to be doing that people have kind of looked at already and basically like from the basics that i've read and seen about like creating these type of like stealth things mm-hmm. it's like 
kind of a like TV thing. Like the cameras look at what's behind you and what's around right. you and yeah. project it and project on the front. That image so, like, so that you're like you're seeing through. Yeah. It. yeah. And so if but you notice like the little cameras had like these lenses on top of them. That's true. That would like okay. open and close. So like I feel like it was doing the projecting thing and also the camera thing and just like a weird combination of all uh, of that. And so, just the way it looked like eyes, that the whole thing was covered. Yeah, like, which was really cool. Yeah. The problem really that, eyes. Oh, that I love the I design. Had, it's so cool. Technically, because <laughs> of course I have to bring the technical side to it, is then when she's stabbing him, which was amazing and I loved it. She's stabbing him in the shower with the pen, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Right she's got shower. him in the shoulder a bunch of different times, right? Yeah. So there are holes. Even if she didn't make it through the suit to actually stab him in the shoulder, which fair, because who knows right. how thick that is. It could be really, really right. thick. There could be infrastructure. I would assume there would be electronics, cooling unit, the whole nine, right? Because mm-hmm. like even cosplay gets super hot. You have yeah. you would have to have some sort of cooling mechanism right. like that. I suppose. So yeah. presumably she doesn't make it through the suit. You don't get any blood, so whatever, right? But you'd be breaking those lenses. Right. Right. You'd be yeah. breaking those the screens and whatnot. And so so not only would you then he wouldn't be shorting out and then you'd be invisible and not invisible. He would just those spots would be incapable mm-hmm. of projecting that invisibility. It'd right? be so, like uh, dead pixels on a screen. Dead pixels. Yeah. Exactly. And then also because this is all electronic, right? How he went out into the pouring, pouring rain without shorting. <laughs> like he's not grounded. That's true. I mean, yeah, but like I, I thought there'd be a it, lot more need I, to find like where the rain isn't. See, yeah. Yeah. like the outline, and he did, and he did, like that. You know, like then he had the yeah, he was smart. Yeah, yeah. That the was a smart play, right? So that was really the... good. Yeah, and he was. Oh my was god, that jump scare! Sure. I knew he was in there even the first time I saw the movie. I saw it in theater, and I was just like, "That's where he is," because that's the only place where the rain isn't falling, yeah. so you can't see his his like shape. But oh, it got me every time. Question yeah, about the plot. When oh, he... I, I do want to say with the stabbing thing. I think that's very much a rule of cool thing, right? Like, no, yeah, it looks 100%. much less cool yeah. if he's like, if you know where he is because there's like eight floating hexagons in the air. I know. Then if like, but I'm sorry, a piece of a man that's just jumping in and out of, of visibility. Yeah. And that's what totally. I'm gloves. I will say also, helmet and for the love of all, it's holy. Do not eat in a morgue. Yeah. Yes. So there's. There's a thing like well, the, the movies have taught me to always eat in a morgue. Yeah, over like, the body, if possible. Let me show you what salmonella looks like. Yeah, <laughs> but so yeah. the suit, I believe, has. I mean, like there are things that I, I are forgivable. I think with the suit because, like, if you can have a, an invisibility suit, you can have like very very impervious lenses, like the projection. Like if you're looking at like a double screen projection and i've seen things like oh god i can't remember what it's called but it's the illusion where you you have a tv mirror mm. and you yeah, you project this on the tv well you have a tv and then there's a mirror and it makes it look three-dimensional oh yes 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 um, i can't remember the name of it but there you know there's there's things you can do with lens refraction that you you know yeah. and if you mm-hmm. have big big thick lenses yeah maybe you wouldn't short out or you wouldn't break the lenses with a pen i right? mean legitimately you have to calibrate your the direction of light in your microscope daily yeah well like i mean i think that the biggest problem if we're gonna if we're gonna really like pick apart the optic suit the biggest problem is that those lenses are way too big yeah but again it's a real cool thing like i whatever like i think no and you know what honestly like it didn't knock me out of the movie which a lot of these things do and you know that but yeah yeah i was like when you're thinking about it analytically yeah Yeah, like, I think that the suit didn't knock me out of the movie. That was, I mean, like, the idea, the, the bottom line was... The suit this movie. was amazing. 
The suit was cool. It looked so fucking cool. But he really it, did. It was this movie so perfectly captured what it is to be stalked and trying oh my to god friends and family that's happening like yeah. that was actually like triggering and re-traumatizing for me like her going to the mailbox yeah i was gonna throw up like it was yeah. that it's was some next level terrifying oh, yeah. shit like i when she's going to the mailbox and the joggers coming up like i am legitimately afraid of mail <laughs> like i can't like i can't you know you'll never get me to a mailbox this movie's exploration of domestic abuse, gaslighting, and yeah. talking is top notch. Yeah, fucking I, I, I think, tier, like yeah. I mean, on on the text side, I think this is how you update a horror movie, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Because the original, Absolutely. the original film, which is again based roughly on the H.G. Wells story, but the original film, like The Invisible Man, is unquestionably bad. Like he is an evil person. And part of it is about sort of his decline of, you know, not seeing himself, being able to do these things without being seen. He is a a true psychopath. And like they they took that and sort of adapted it to a very current concern, a very like real issue that, you know, could come from that. And like, you know, you you get to really sort of be in her skin and see sort of what she's going through in a very real way. And it, it is sort of then also like a literalizing of a feeling of yeah. like, you know, he also, could be anywhere. He could be watching you. It's also like, it really keeps the budget down if you don't have to blow up any bridges or trains. And I, I will say too, like the, I mean, this is sort of beside the point of the, of the like theme, but like this movie could really lose you if it did a lot of green screen shit if it did a lot of special effects Mm -hmm. and the scene we're talking about in the hallway where like he gets you know punctured a few times and he's he's going in and out of visibility is one of the few special effects in the movie like in the vfx side like how terrifying mm -hmm. is the scene where it's just a long steady shot on a kitchen and then you just see like the flame on the burner get turned up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the knife the gets knife moved, like the flame on the burner gets turned yes. up. It's and so then the fire. It's so scary, and, and, and yeah. like the way, the way they, they accomplish it, sound. Yeah. the directing yes. and the cinematography of it is sort of the second star of the movie behind Elizabeth Moss because there are several oh, yeah. points. There's another one where she is doing something in her room. She's putting up dresses or something, and the camera pans to nothing. The camera mm-hmm. just pans over mm-hmm. to, to another part of the room hangers. as if it's yeah. putting something in frame that you cannot see. And like, great. It, it doesn't say anything about that, it. Like, so it's like that. I can't remember what they're called. They're like the outside closets or something where she's yeah. hanging out the clothes. Like stuff. A wardrobe? If you look yeah. at that pole, you can see the light like refracting on it. So if you really pay attention, you can see like the little things there. But also... I, one thing I really appreciate about this movie is that it, like, the whole, like, psychological thriller part of it was never, like, a question of if he was abusive and now he's doing this to her. But it was like, no, he is 100% abusive. That's yeah. not the worry. The worry is, like, what is she seeing and experiencing now? Yeah. I really appreciate it. Like, right off the bat, they were, like, breaks the windows. Like, no, he is actually abusive. This is why she's right. leaving. That's not, like, the her losing her mind part. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 
It's the invisible that. man part that she's losing her mind. Yeah. Oh, the scene with just but, like the blanket where he's just doing nothing but fucking with her by yeah, like yeah. stepping on a blanket. But I love Probably. the nods to the original like kind of concept of the invisible man in a lot of the details in the background, especially in like the the mental hospital when things have gotten like so pear-shaped and she's just like I'm fucking done with this. I just, I'm, I don't know what we're doing here, but I'm, <laughs> I'm done. And you see in several shots along through there, there's a little sign in the background that says you don't have to face yourself alone. Yeah, I saw that one. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That's pretty brilliant. One thing that really struck me in this movie, you know, compared to a lot of horror movies, you know, especially with like the kills and the violence was, you know, with the exception of your classic superhero hallway fight sequence, which fucking reveled in it. The violence of the movie, it can be extremely fast. Like the the way that Adrian dies and the way Emma dies, it's like you can almost like blink. Like if you were like briefly looking away, yeah. It is middle of the conversation. It's like you could just like glance at your phone for two seconds and then it's like, wait, what the fuck did I just miss? Why is like someone's like just bleeding yeah. all over? Like oh, what the yeah. fuck? But there's yeah. also a dichotomy there too, though, it's because so fast. there's like this extreme violence in this movie mm-hmm. where you get those like deaths that happen so quickly and there's blood and there's like all the, the gunshots and the wrists bent and like all of, you know, whatever. But then but, you like, also that's... get the subtle violence, right? Like all of the sort of casual misogyny that's thrown throughout this whole thing that she, that, right. that right. Cecilia faces, like. In that interview where she passes yeah. out from the diazepam and the interviewer yeah. comes up to her and says, oh, in Paris, is that where all the beautiful women go? Oh, yeah. Like, yes. how many times yes. in my professional life have I dealt with that? Like, oh, did you get your job because you're pretty? Like, no, I got my job because I have 20 years of industry experience, but thank you for infantilizing me. Like, right. Yeah. He'll say, like, no, you got your job because you're pretty. I'm like, no, I got my job because of nepotism. <laughs> Like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I pretty on the side. Sh- I didn't earn shit. You know? It's an it's an extra extra bonus. It's just yeah. a bonus. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Um God, no, the buildup of this movie is so masterfully done. Like again, that it's turning the heat up on like fucking around with like breakfast, moving things around. Then it's like sabotaging a job interview. And God, like it just it just created this inescapable oppressive atmosphere that fucked with me so much alexis one thing i really really love was very much a horror trope but like the sound of the cameras that clicking sound throughout the movie that like anxiety inducing like clicking sound like where you knew he was there yeah and the fact that it it just like reminded me of like the scores for like Jason where he's like coming up behind someone and you know someone's about to die because you hear that music oh. and like with that clicking sound you just, yeah, it's that's... so anxiety inducing because like you can't see shit but you know he's there you yeah. know yeah. and it's oh anytime yeah. they shift to like the POV view and you know like oh shit yeah. we're seeing what he's Classic, seeing like, right now killer point of view because uh. that's the the first creepy thing that they do in this movie is there's the scene where like 
she is partying with her, her friend and his her friend's Through daughter. The and the, we were watching them have a, a great time. And then the POV shifts to down the hall oh, watching well. them. Right. And I, I wonder how many people watching this are like, wait, what? And how many don't realize it, but it makes you uncomfortable, whether like you know why or not. And it, yeah. it does that so many times with like the way it, it shifts where the camera is focused or the, the way it, you know, this movie spends so much time pointing a camera at like empty benches and couches and stuff like that. And like the result is not that you're like boring. <laughs> the result is that you're like, right. what is it? Is there something there? Am I I'm, I'm miss it. Yeah. I'm miss it if I don't look at it. Their muscle is tense. There is yeah. so much of this movie where, like, this, my heart. All of that works. Sorry, sorry about that. All of that works because Elizabeth Moss is so freaking good. Yeah, yeah. She's There's that one scene where she's on the ground and she's staring at the door, and I Talking swear to, to God, him, looking at that oh, empty no. door, and it's like she sees him and I see him and I know he's right there. And you I think, know. I think, if you think somebody else was not that fine an actress. In that role, I think a lot of those empty space shots would have fallen flat because she mm. believes it, because she sells it so hard. Yeah. Being in the this, world is good at being scared so of empty hard. rooms as she is. She's... This movie honestly relies on Elizabeth Moss being able to act like she can kill a wall with a look. You know, I find it interesting that so many, there's, I've seen these actors who are like, Part of Scientology, and they're always like trying to escape something <laughs> in these movies. Yep, because subconsciously they know <laughs> that they are not actually affected by is aliens Larson from a nineteen fifties world. Is so, Brie Larson a Scientologist? Because you know. she was in that Twenty One Cloverfield movie. Maybe uh, Juliet Lewis, I thought was a Scientologist. I don't know if she's if she's currently if, what, what the status of that is, but it's a hard one to leave. I will say I know Leia Romani is most definitely not a Scientologist She's anymore. A superhero. Oh my gosh. Yes, <laughs> yes, is. she is. I don't um, understand it at all. She is either. the true queen of queens. What I do want to talk about, and I mean it's tangentially related to that, but also tangentially related to a lot of our conversation around they them, is this movie does not talk down to this woman about violence at any point. It doesn't be like no, you should spare him. That's the right thing to do. Which kills the brother, fucking Michael Dorman. She comes in and he's attacking the Sydney, and she is like, she has the fire extinguisher ready. She's like, get down, hits him, shoots him three times in the chest, like yep. as soon as he's visible. Oh, that and was glorious. So satisfying. Yep. Him yeah. just like that... walking towards her, but just like bleeding out. I'm like, yeah, yeah. give it. Now that's the catharsis I want for. I like. I come to horror movies. Oh, big, big same. <laughs> well, and and I, you know that like that whole time she was probably like on some kind of drug because she was in the the institution. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like you know that was adrenaline, and you know adrenaline uh-huh. versus drugs, like. Those things interact in ways that are unpredictable. Sure, whatever. Like that's never something. That's very rarely something that I give a shit about in movies. Um, right. But you know, but the fact that like you know that she was working against not just you know whatever the doctors gave her, but just this whole paradigm of yeah. reality that she was dealing with. Exactly. I had turned down for what cued when she was having dinner with the dude. At the end, <laughs> our roommate was there, and I was like, I was just so ready to see this dude like get his dick stomped in. <laughs> I was 
almost sad that he didn't like he wasn't in pain longer but it's better for her if he wasn't because then he wouldn't he can't talk or anything yeah so i but there's a lot of these there's a lot of the catharsis is so good the and you really really i mean you earn it like she earned it you know yeah the shit she goes through and just the thriller aspect of this movie and the way that it's shot and everything is so good and her like with her performance it's like hitchcock but i like Mm -hmm. it i think one of the things i thought was so interesting about how like that sort of arc of the story went was you know from the whole kind of scene in the in the hospital where you have you know the invisible man coming in and like you know she's stabbing him and he's going through all of the security people and she's shooting at him and she's chasing him and she takes him out and they go to the house and everything like that and then it turns out to be the brother but i thought it was really interesting because up until that point in the movie Adrian had been so meticulous. You know, there were no witnesses. There was no nothing. It was all very focused entirely down on Cecilia. Mm -hmm. But in the hospital, there were witnesses. You know, he didn't kill everybody. It was sloppier. It was, you know, and I even wrote it in my notes. I was like, oh, this is getting sloppy. You know, he's just, you know, and then it's the brother. And I'm like, oh, right. I forgot about that. I mean, (laughs) because like you can see. He's not, he is the jellyfish version, you know? (laughs) Or he's being set up as to kill. You see him hesitate to kill. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, so it's, it's just really interesting to see that kind of like even that attention to detail at the movie making level. Right. Yeah. And commitment to the world. Yeah. That they will. Although you could, you could believe that it was Adrian doing that because, uh, you know, when she started like trying to harm herself. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, like, because I think he says surprise to her when they're by the car. And that's an Adrian line. Yeah. And honestly, we don't know if it's Adrian at the hospital Either way, it could be. Maybe he sent him to the house. Is Adrian in the hospital? He's still setting up his brother, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So So he can be acting that way to be setting up his brother, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing is the fact that she is so competent and so smart throughout the whole thing. Like, just like from the beginning when she suspects something's happening and she puts the coffee grounds and like grabs a knife and is just like talking to him. Like, just that, like, she's so smart about how she does this. And like the rain, because she knows if the rain hits him, she's going to be able to see him. Like, she's paying attention to that. But just yeah. throughout the whole movie, I like really appreciated like how smart she was about this even with like how scared and terrified yeah. she was she was yeah. still it never done on her top down. of it yeah yeah i will I say that's the part when she was up in the attic too though when she doesn't just like take a picture or send the phone stuff to herself in an email or send the phone stuff to everyone she knows in an email <laughs> you know or like something yeah. anything you know that kind of drove me nuts i'm like you have I been mean, so focused yeah, she, on the details but then having said that super traumatized and she did know he was coming up so yeah yeah six of one yeah i want to say like she probably didn't have time to just like snap a selfie and i guess maybe (laughs) on that uber ride back she could have been like going on instagram and been like fucking told you look at this invisibility suit i found (laughs) also what a fucking champ that uber driver was oh my god all the way to some fucking laboratory i'm telling you That man I get six stars to that driver. Yeah, yeah all the way in New South <laughs> Wales, Stinson California. Beach. Vincent Beach. Yeah, I didn't know that there were cliffs over there. 
Yeah, it's because none of it's actually it's filmed been... in California. It's filmed in Australia. I remember. It's... Well, yeah, there was that, mm-hmm. like, I, last time I was there, I, I saw that big house that was, like, on a cliff. The Lots Iron of... Man house? Yeah. Yeah, the Iron <laughs> Man house. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back to that scene, though, where Sydney gets slapped. And you guys were all like, it's... okay, let's make that work. Okay, so the only way that works, because obviously it doesn't, right? Because Cecilia's too far away. But yeah. you have a very emotional scene, right? And then you have somebody get slapped. Have you ever been slapped? Yes. Like, yeah. Right? Yes. It's yeah. something, it, it, it's shocking. You yeah. get slapped. It's shocking. You're not expecting it. You're, especially when it's coming from somebody you trust and something like that. You know, she goes down. She's not seeing, she's not thinking clearly. And then she looks up and there is literally no one else in the room. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, no, I'm with you. I'm with you on yeah, this one, Brian. No, so Cecilia being Sydney obviously for the slap, thinks Cecilia that, hits yeah, her. No, you that, know, yeah. I'm with you. That that didn't bother me. That oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that and it just bothered me on a from a staging standpoint, and that like yeah. well, in no, the movie, you're supposed to know. You're supposed, looked... it's supposed to be very clear to us that there was no yeah. way that Cecilia could have done yeah. it. Yeah, it had yeah. to be staged that way. The way that Adrian is fucking with her is so specific to make her sound crazy. Like exactly, literally, yeah. He is manipulating the gaslight. He is the ultimate gaslight gatekeep girl boss. Oh, yeah. ultimate gaslighter. He literally pretended to be dead. Like yeah. there's yeah. no gaslighting above that. This Xavier man Count of Monte Cristo'd himself, right? I was gonna go with Charles Xavier, but you know, my heart crossed about ten minutes of the film. It was like the five minutes before. Or, no, it was like. Nine or ten minutes before Sydney gets slapped, and she's just sitting there. She she doesn't love these kind of movies, and she's just getting stressed out. And Sydney gets slapped, and James comes in and immediately whisks Sydney away. And what oh, just got up and said, "Think patriarchy," and pops out of the room. I mean, I kind of appreciated that his first concern Me was too. his daughter. Exactly, was like you know, and then they had a conversation. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, if, her away. if my kid said, hey, this person hit me, I'd be like, okay, I'd probably let's take them out. You yeah. out. We'll ask questions like, I don't know. For me, I'd be like, let's divide this. Who knows first. what's happening? I, I yeah. would definitely not leave a person. I mean, like, whether or not Sid- or Sydney was hit by Cecilia, because like, I think everybody kind of knows that Cecilia is so severely traumatized that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like, this is something that could also be like DID or yeah yeah yeah, right? yeah 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 so so when this happens I feel like the the James's reaction is more reasonable than say like the, uh, the sister's reaction to the email but you know the sister's reaction to the email is a, a believable worst case scenario certainly yeah. but James you know also though like he could have returned quicker yeah um, but it's really hard. Like, that's another thing is about, like, the complexity of the relationship with the sister. There's also the complexity of how do people deal with someone who is having a mental breakdown or, you know, like, because you hear about it. You never know what to do about it. No. And they're in your no. space. And she, she's been in his space for a long time now. Like, yeah. And getting crazier and crazier and crazier and like he's doing his best to support her and he's been like and like this is coming out of nowhere right you know he's been living his life he's been you know he's having a you know single dad-a-thon with his daughter and they've been having obviously a very successful life they're both 
happy and well adjusted, mm-hmm. and you know, <laughs> we'll have, say he does have to keep up the movie trend of my teenage daughter, right? which I didn't. Did yeah, they're just all sharing the bed with the teenage daughter thing. I thought yeah, that was that a little was, odd. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Bed she had guy. her own room. I'm pretty sure she had her own room. It was just like, like that was, I think, a, a one-off thing when like people were yeah feeling like, great about stuff. Because it was that not the night that they had a girls' they, night. Yeah, they were yeah. they were about to go do the girls' night. I don't yeah. know. It it no because there was like I think they showed it twice. There was an early one where the blanket gets pulled off, and then there's mm-hmm. another scene of them sleeping together on a different day. Oh, okay. and it was like yeah, strange to me. But I didn't love James. I'll, I'll just be up front about well, it. Well, I mean, he has to keep the, the horror movie trend of cops being the worst. Like, cops yeah. being absolutely was useless. Was he the worst? He, he the is worst. absolutely ah. useless as a cop or as a friend in this case. Like, he, you know, he, he's not a protector anyway. He doesn't. He like he shows up after the guy has like already been shot multiple times. Like, I mean, he's a soft place to land. Which yeah, is nice. I mean, he, Sometimes you need a soft place to land. He is that. He is he's that. He's not the worst, I would say. I mean, he's, he's, I would not I say there's anything soft the about that man. He, he's he's oh, definitely middling. Holy yeah. shit, though. Um, muscles. The female female Like, every dude that comes through, like, Trevor and James, like, every dude that you see that's, like, not evil. I know. I wasn't going to lay money on that this hell. movie was made by a woman. And I was very surprised. <laughs> James yeah, dresses. I don't want to shame anybody, but very provocatively for a police officer, he is like tight he, pants and a tight hot. shirt. Yeah. He's a handsome, I mean, handsome man. I was going to say, if you, you have Aldous Hodge, you have to dress him like that. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm going to go solve crimes. I can't walk too fast, though, because my pants aren't tight. I'm I honestly, when, right? when I when they saw the badge, my first thought wasn't like, my first thought was like, oh, no, he's a cop. But then my second thought was like, well, maybe he's a stripper cop. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that he was like a receptionist cop. Like he was sad. He the pants are, leaves I'm like, those pants are so tight. Got, they got to be rip away. They got to be yeah. tear away. Stripper <laughs> cop would have made a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> so I guess whoever was whoever's doing this, the costumes on this movie was like, looked at these actors and they're, they're like, okay, shrink, shrink, shrink. Yeah. I, I do uh, like the detail of sweater. like, apparently a, a thing with Michael Dorman, the brother. Is that like every everything about him is supposed to feel like it doesn't fit quite right? So they put him in a suit that's like two sizes too small for him. Yeah, which is like why he's the one character in this. You're like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> like, he, yeah, he's, he's not tailored properly. Properly, yeah. he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, and I mean that guy's not that guy's not poorly built. He was in the show Patriot on what Stars Showtime something, where he's you know a fairly buff action hero kind of guy. So like. You know, he's just, he is very much leaning into this very punchable character that he's playing in this movie in, in a way that's usually reserved for people who are ex-Game Game of Thrones stars. <laughs> <laughs> I love the jellyfish line. The jellyfish oh, yeah. line was spectacular. Oh my God, that was so good. I thought she was also going to throw in, after no spot, I thought she was going to say no brains too, just for like extra. <laughs> but that turned to jellyfish because jellyfish do have a brain. I thought jellyfish I don't have brains. I'm pretty sure they have brains. Some of them have brains. I think it's like the same as their heart or something. I don't know. They're like inside out. I think they wear their brains uh, on their tummy. Their so, brains are know. their we heart. We should know nothing that... about ocean life. It is terrifying. 
Yo, mm -hmm. their brains are their hearts, and that is why jellyfish are the most emotionally balanced creatures in the ocean. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You ever seen a jellyfish not just be chill and flowing? No, I mean, up. head clearly, and heart, same deal. You haven't been <laughs> stung by jellyfish on the beach in the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah, but they're not going out and doing that on their own. They're just flowing by. And if you flow by them, they're just going to do their stingy yeah. stings. <laughs> getting dragged in by storms. Yeah. yeah. My dude, this food is really big. Uh, now, is that stopping? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's usually Call the rest of the fleet. <laughs> that's how they were all. I want to shout out as we're like winding down on this. The beginning of this movie, both like the opening credits and just the way we're sort of dropped into the middle of this circumstance and just sort of figure out what's going on by the way Elizabeth Moss is acting. But like the opening credits, I this is one of the only like real special effects, digital special effects those. in the movie where the water is rushing up onto the rocks and as it splashes, you can see the title and then it disappears again. Is like that's like yeah, that's good so usage good. of good. visual so effects. Inspired. Yeah. But yeah, like yeah. this is how you make a monster movie. Yeah. Like, this yeah. This was a monster movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it it's is. So, so like the references back to H2O's because in preparation for watching the movie, I actually listened to the original Invisible Man hmm. again. And oh, nice. there's nothing in connection other than the title, there's nothing that connects this film with that book. I mean, other than the concept of some, yeah. <laughs> some guy, you know turns himself invisible i mean it's a completely different story and what's funny is it's so like the thing that about this movie that was so good was you know kind of like how present it is you know like that i'm sure that people back when they read the invisible man thought oh this is really scary it's hysterical like the guy says i'm the <laughs> invisible man i'm invisible i'm an invisible man like twenty thousand times they call it invisible man throughout the thing and it, it's a really interesting commentary on society, and it's actually very good. And so this, yeah, like I was thinking about how they used it, how they used this film to comment on our society, right? And the use of, like, the all of the video, all of the, you know, the she's under surveillance all the time. All the time. Yeah. Vice before that was being under surveillance. And then this way that, you know, she... When you think about it, of her as like this woman who's been isolated, she has become invisible to the, at the beginning of the movie, right? She's an invisible woman, mm -hmm. right? She, yeah. Nobody sees her. Nobody knows anything about her. She is lost to the world, right? And then she kind of comes back in this traumatic way. And then, you know, she finds her power again, becoming invisible. The and ending of this. So good. Oh, I love it. The ending of this movie. Like, should just be, like, a big post that was just the Lucille Bluth Arrested Development. Good for her, Gif. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, but shout out to Zeus, because that poor dog has the biggest abandonment issues. Oh, my God. Did oh this invisible gosh, motherfucker absolutely. abandon his dog? Like, I know the guy's one of the worst. This guy is legitimately, like, while just being non-existent for most of the movie, invisible, like, is one of the... Most terrifying villains I've ever encountered. Like well, she, okay, but she, so she sets the dog free at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but doesn't take him with her. Right. And then she yeah. comes back to the house, and Zeus is mysteriously there. She doesn't take him with she her. Doesn't take him with her. Yeah. And she comes back to the house again, again, and Zeus saves her ass. 
Well, you know, two other, the, the first two times she is running away from the house. I mean, sure, true, but there's a big ass dog. You take the big ass dog. I mean, I if I was her after that, I'd be like, I would buy, I would adopt like seven big ass dogs. I mean, the dog was extremely <laughs> yeah. helpful in sniffing out where Adrian was. During As the an owner of a big ass dog, Jeremy, do you want to chime in? That dog's definitely Chip. So yeah, like, that's true. Yeah. you can't take him with you if you're trying to hide from the person who owns him. Good point. <laughs> but yeah, like fine, uh, fine. But speaking of, yeah, was do living in the house. I think so. Maybe yeah. yeah um, like, Adrian leaves presumably at the like at the end of the two weeks when he frames him when he pretends that he's dead and yeah. goes and lives at her house in her attic or at James's house in her attic, and as far as we know, does not leave, does not go back to the house to help the dog to feed the dog i don't know maybe shitty brother tom is is popping in to feed the dog being a, a dog of sorts and so yeah. so like you know we as far as we know nobody is looking after and feeding that dog despite the fact that he has retrieved the dog and put him back in the house because he won't let go of anybody or anything mm-hmm. he has to be in control of of all of this stuff yeah i think that works that detail works really well and i think to to susan's point yeah, i think it's interesting that like it is sort of based on the book, but not really. And then, you know, you have the James Whale movie in between, which is also sort of based on the book more so than this. But also that's where I think this takes a lot of its inspiration is, is the James Whale movie, which is much more, you know, ab- about what a horrible sociopath this man becomes when he is invisible. Sexually, like it's just, can we use invisibility as a tool to reflect on our society right and also you know he was hired by universal studios to write a monster movie under a thing that they own which is the name the invisible man that's what it's called it could have been called hollow man but that movie sucks that's a different one (laughs) yeah i don't know if it would have the same like i don't know i don't think it would have the same gravitas yeah Yeah. once you've seen invisible kevin bacon fondle a woman yeah boy that I don't know how many people have seen Hollow Man, but that one stuck with me because yeah. they definitely do a whole like visual effects thing of a man of an invisible man feeling up a woman's boob in that movie, and that is not necessary. No, there's a couple. There's yeah, I've seen a couple of those movies that have an invisible like a yeah. visible hand on the on a, and I'm like, no, the the one thing. This movie is amazing in a lot of ways, and I really liked a lot of the attention and detail, and I really liked the attention to sort of, as I said, the dichotomy between the small and large violences and everything like that. But I especially liked the fact that it was not gratuitous in that sense. Like, this was very female gaze as opposed to male gaze, which you get a lot in monster and horror movies, right? Yeah. Like I said, that there is no sexual assault. It is... yeah. In, entirely in the realm of which is via you know violence yeah. and incredible really yeah. psychological assault in a way that, like i've never really seen this it's like, gendered even, violence but it's, it's not gender- sexual yeah well I, not exactly. on screen yeah yeah not on screen yes but it is implied yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. very much implied and also like the whole you know having the baby yeah and also yeah. Her- not unlike a xenomorph well, yeah, that's she was secretly thing. on. She was secretly on pill on the pill, and that he was switching out her pills to make sure that you know she could get pregnant, even though yeah. she was what a like, violation. She was sneaking upon them. violation upon violation. Yeah, oh, oh, oh. 
Yeah, uh, Adrian, like without question, the fucking worst. Yeah, I think what I think what makes it so terrifying, feel so real, and so inescapable is the pettiness. Like, I feel like this would be less scary if it was like an invisible demon. It's like yeah. I'm a demon from hell doing demon haunting you things. Yeah, that like it is that it is just a human being who very much exemplifies the worst of what humans are capable of or would be capable with invisibility suits. Yeah. Like that. It is just like, this is what a sociopathic narcissist is willing to do to terrorize and get back a ex-girlfriend who has insulted his sense of self. But I think the invisibility suit here just works to show kind of, as a physical thing, as a, a thing in a movie, a prop in a movie, it just works to show the what humans are capable of when they do not have consequences. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is effectively what we see, you know, today with in our society with things like, you know, millionaires and billionaires and blah, blah, blah. But also, you know, like the patriarchy and, the, you know, like cishet white met guys and like, you know, just anybody with that power dynamic who is willing to take advantage of it. Yeah, well, I mean, this is this, these are things he's doing things with the suit that he would be doing anyway. Yeah, but just less like insidious in terms of like just making somebody look crazy. Yeah, and, that happens and, all the time without a suit. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So I feel like it's, I think it was cool because the suit was sort of secondary. Like the invisibility, the invisible, the titular invisible man was secondary to the fact that. It wasn't just this guy. It was a guy taking advantage of the system. And that's that was like the real horror of the situation. Is And you could that was what hit me. And I think that's the most traumatizing thing about the movie is that he is taking advantage of the system to in such a way to perfectly make her look insane. And, you know, you see the situation through her eyes, but you also see the context of that and how fucked she is. Yeah. You know, just from being in the situation when the like the dude is doing things bad and people have seen a dude do things bad and they just don't want to be involved. Yep. Right. Like every step of the way, you know, it's not her. Yeah. And you still can't figure out a way to, yeah, like, to work around this. Like, yeah, like I'm, you know, I was working around like, OK, well, she would her end game is to prove that he has this suit and that he exists, you know. Yeah. And like on, on when he's going through the hall of the cops, I could believe it was still him because he's such a narcissist that, you know, that was how like extreme things could get. But he could also, you know, there are people through narcissists out there. Just look at Elon Musk fucking Twitter. Yeah. And I don't call it X. It's fucking Twitter. And like the kind of shit he says on there that everybody sees you know he's not talking about like going into a visibility suit gaslighting people at least not the invisibility suit part but like the shit that he does in plain t- i mean anyway you know and i think like i have a lot of emotions about it but i think I it's smart you. i think it's smart i think it's just i think it was a really cool move for at the adaptation and i also think that it's what you said bronwyn about the invisible woman like mm-hmm. how she's you know She's been invisible to her friends and family and she, and I'm sure that she was the object, like there was a lot of drama there, but you know, no matter who she is and no matter who she's like with, the 
she's going to have to deal with that kind of obscurity. Like, these are things that the Invisible Man in, like, a previous Invisible Man movie, these would be things that would be sort of like a minor offense. Mm-hmm. You know, we would be seeing these things kind of s- sort of hinted at, like, you know, Kevin Bacon fondling a tit. Because at, and th- at that point, it was comedy. Like, you know, the assault of a woman was comedy. Fucking right. Revenge of the Nerds, anyone? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like fucking 16 Candles. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the, and that's, you know, within my lifetime, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, the, I think this was a really smart thing for the movie to focus on. And I think that it, it executed a lot of these ideas and concepts in a smart way. Yeah. And, you know, even with Emily being a source of contention, it's actually. <laughs> Emily's don't I don't I haven't known a lot of Emily's have been sources of contention. I'm sure I've been sources of contention for people, but that's because I'm very opinionated about anime. You're delightful. Thank you. All Emily's kick ass and are the best. Oh, thank you. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Also anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like we've discussed quite a bit, sort of sideways, the ways in which this, this movie is is feminist it does deal quite a bit with class as it relates to their relationship and the ways in which people of a higher class can sort of cut you off from the rest of the world i i think the only the way the only way it doesn't do anything particularly well it doesn't do anything particularly meaningful in the question of queer relationships or lgbtq people at all but it's you know it, it's already juggling a lot at that point and it does at least have Black people. Black people do exist in this world, uh, even if the only representation they have is a, a bad police officer. Um, I mean, Storm Reed was daughter. really cute. I liked yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, Storm yeah, Reed's great. Doc- I found some gumption. I mean, yeah. you know, she, she uh, kicked ass with the pepper spray. That was pretty cool. I liked that. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. Do, okay. We're talking about the suit. I'm glad you brought up the pepper spray because. The pen doesn't go fully go through the suit, but the pepper spray did seem to go fully through. And he has to be able to breathe, to so there has eyes. to be some sort of, it, of passage through there. Okay. That's a yeah. good point. Yep. And, and pepper I spray like, is extreme. You know so, what? I'm going to go on the record and saying... Much. It's not going to work. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go on the record and say this point I brought up doesn't matter. <laughs> nice. Yeah, because if you... I thought it was good. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who sprays pepper spray in a movie, when they spray something, pepper spray at somebody, that still means it's in the air. So everybody within like a 20 foot radius of yeah. that pepper spray is going to have a real bad time. Yeah. Anybody so, who's done any canning of any spicy, you know, salsa yeah. or anything like that. Anyone's cut an onion? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, I would love to see one of these movies where someone likes pepper spray somebody and then they come away and then, you know, and they're like, oh, they're like, I'm so happy that you're alive. Are you OK? Are you you're upset? Uh, and they're like, no, 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 I'm fine. Just fuck your pepper spray, pepper man. Spray Aerosolized capsaicin yeah. is not a good time. Uh, Big spray and then run through it. Yeah. 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 That's why whenever you are attacked, if you're going to be pepper sprayed. Spray it, throw it, run it, scan. Same with if you're mugged for anything, you throw it. You don't give it, you throw it. That's a good idea. Yeah. There you go. You disarm somebody with a knife. If you don't keep it, you throw it. And if you don't know how to use a knife, don't keep it. You're so much more likely to get chopped, given yeah. and sliced. Yeah. It's not yeah. gonna it's not gonna be a good time. Don't do that. No. 
definitely want to like if you get a weapon and you don't know how to do it throw it as far as you can in the yeah. opposite direction and so, run anyway these are so we don't recommend knives but do we recommend this movie yes, yes. fuck yes, yes. This, yes look, whenever we get around to our new next rankings episode i feel pretty confident saying this is going to find a home in the top 10 oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. This, this is, is so this... good yeah it is it is definitely message. up there i think this really like Leigh has only really directed like two movies before this, like the second or third Insidious movie and then Upgrade. And I think like he's written lots of stuff. He's written lots of Saw and Insidious and whatever. But like this, I think, is a great exhibition of like what a good director he is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Also, yeah. I like the boire. There was some good boire in this movie. I At first I was like, is this Dennis Villeneuve or whatever? But no, it's... It's just good use of boire. <laughs> it's the soundtrack because at the beginning it's like boire, you know. <laughs> I'm always into that. Like whenever a movie starts going boire, I'm like, hey, amazing. I I'm love here. that. I'm here incredible for Incredible use of onomatopoeia. Thank you. <laughs> love that. Yeah, I mean, if you watch like, that stuff. Oh, yeah, Michael Bay that's... too. Michael Bay's a big boire. <laughs> Michael Bay is he overuses it because there's too much yeah. other shit going on. Like you can't yeah. have the boire and like have a bunch of explosions because you don't notice the boire. Yeah, this you is know, a perfect forget, example. You must always of be spinning the camera too in Michael Bay. Always yeah. spinning. Yeah, yeah and like, Michael Bay. Michael Bay. There's a lot of like guars that are like actually part of the movie. You know, they're like narrative guars. The the sound that <laughs> various transformers make and. <laughs> yeah. which is an, an abuse of boire yeah. yeah unless it's a very very large laser it shouldn't make that sound no. yeah <laughs> or a gundam if you have a gundam but it i mean the boire every so often yeah yeah if it's not always boire and no but should you no we don't recommend michael bay but what do we want to recommend for people who, who are looking to enjoy this enjoy some more films after what they've watched here Oh, geez. Well, I mean, if you want to see more Elizabeth Moss and gendered violence, I mean, you got six seasons of Handmaid's Tale. And Mad Men. Who doesn't need more gendered violence after this? I Me. <laughs> I'm good. Hit your limit already? Uh, if you want something wildly different, I recommend Barbie. Seconded. Can confirm. Yeah. Yep. Yes. And I'm sorry, did you say can confirm? Can confirm. Can confirm. I did. Thank you. Yes. Because I am Kenup. Can, can confirm. But we're not being paid enough. That's true. <laughs> Nobody is. That's why Ken's no. on strike. Bless him. Okay, so Ben recommends Barbie. Emily, what do you have to recommend? I was going to say Yellow Jackets if you want to have yes of this. More um, of this. Just of this, except with less like specifically i mean there's a lot going on in yellow jackets but it's a lot more you know, empowering for the ladies and this has nothing to do with this movie but i just recently rediscovered an animated program that may have come from across the sea Hello. it's called princess jellyfish so when she was talking about jellyfish, it's <laughs> but it's a really cute and wholesome and it's like incredibly like it's it's about a girl who's trying to find herself and she she becomes a fashion designer with a guy who is going through the steps of a transition 
you know, I haven't seen that there's like a couple live action versions of it that I haven't seen, but the version that I saw like from 2014. And so I'm, I'm really interested to see how the story handles trans issues. But anyway, also feminist and very wholesome. So it's a good chaser for something like this. Available on Funimation at excellent. <laughs> Bronwyn, do you have anything to recommend? Um, shocking everyone, I'm sure. Uh, I will recommend a book. i think that if you want sort of similar vibes iron widow by shirin j zhao that is just oh my god as far as i'm concerned that should be required reading in high school like that is it just is freaking spectacular but the rage in that is glorious and often cathartic and deeply relatable content Yes, (laughs) but also sci-fi and exciting and Gundams. So, (laughs) if you enjoyed the end of this film, I think you will very much enjoy Iron Widow. Oh, oh yeah, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. I cannot recommend it enough. Like, oh my god, all of the stars. If you want a palate cleanse, well, my my personal comfort genre is because I am Canadian and queer as fuck, gay hockey romance novels. So I have a huge list. If anybody wants one. (laughs) <laughs> okay a huge list yeah yep. all right susan what about you well let's see i think if you want to go further on the elizabeth moss front i think top of the lake that's where i saw her first that was a freaking amazing show. currently what I, we just finished watching dark winds the second season which is really freaking good and the second season has a pretty awesome psychopathic murderer you know, if you want your good Aryan-looking dude getting the crap kicked out of a couple of times, that's the one for you. But it's actually a very well-produced series. Anybody else is watching it, um, but it's it's really well done. Nice, fantastic. And Alexis, what about you? I am gonna second Yellow Jackets because it is absolutely incredible, and I am obsessed with this like one face scene that they have in the second season and i feel like everyone should watch it and then just because i've been obsessed with the show as a chaser to all of this just fun fun horror is a series called vampires die in no time it's on Funimation. it is just a feel-good show about this vampire that lives with a vampire hunter and it is perfect and everyone should watch it Vampires nice. die oh, yeah. in no time. Draw Luke, work. Funimation or Crunchyroll. Draw Luke is the vampire and he is purple and he has a Transylvanian accent. Nice. In the dubbed version. This <laughs> is perfection. So yeah, watch Yellow Jackets, chase it with uh, vampires. Do Does love he sound jackets. like Griffin McElroy doing like three, like the triple Dracula's up here? <laughs> Well, a little bit, a little bit, Excellent. and it's great. And he looks like the Count, so it's fantastic. Yes, what is purple? Yeah. Oh, I, yes. I just it's, you know the thing that got me into Yellow oh, Jackets yeah. was I saw a tweet about soccer. I love soccer, and yeah. it, now we have to have a gender neutral soccer show because we have found out what happens when men play soccer with Ted Lasso, and it's crying. And we found out what happens when women play soccer and it's yellow jackets and it's murder. So yeah. <laughs> we need gender neutral soccer. That in between. It's also yeah. just a, such a gay show. I love everything about it. Right? Yeah. 
Justice for Coach. Justice for Coach. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I just finished watching the third season of Ted Lasso, and that's that one is solidly good all the way through. Really. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's neither here or there with what I'm recommending because I did want to keep on the trend of recommending things that people in this movie have also done. If you like Storm Reed and you have not watched The Last of Us, she is in one extraordinary episode of The Last of Us. There's a couple of single extraordinary episodes of The Last of Us. I just can't recommend that show enough. The game is is good, but the movie takes the best parts or the show takes the best parts of the game and really ups ups the ante on them a bit so she's great in that if you want a little more oliver jackson cohen you want to see him suffer in a way that makes you sad the haunting shows of netflix oh yeah, yeah. so good in haunting, haunting of hill house yeah, so and good. Bly manor especially hill house that one is a rough one for him he, he goes through yeah. some shit in that show so yeah you, you got to check those out for sure and the the one thing that i have been reading this week i took my kids to the library last week and got a couple of books of my own and have been reading the graphic novel collection of a a comic called what if we were which is a fantastic like web comic style story about two female friends who are who play this game called what if we were where one of them comes up with a scenario and they sort of take that to the the furthest extreme of what they would do and it's it is sort of a slice of life thing with a lot of like journal entries and then stuff from their lives and there's a little you know romance subplot with one of the girls and her uh the girl she has a crush on so like that's that is really fantastic and i believe it's up for some awards this award season so definitely worth checking out as well that's that's a good one also canadian so you know Yeah, I, I believe that one is right up your alley, especially Bronwyn. I think everybody on this this group would really like that. It looks so, cute as heck. Like I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, it's it's very cute, and very fun to read. It's an easy read. I've gone straight from that to on a sunbeam, which is not quite as easy to read and very long. So that's the recommendations from all of us. Before we wrap this up, why don't we uh, let people know where we can find out more about? You guys, where they can follow you online and find out more about what you're doing. Uh, Bronwyn, do you want to start? You can pretty much find me on all the things social at Shiny Baby B. Um, the dying heap that is Twitter, uh, Instagram, Blue Sky, all the things. And you can find me on, on Tune. We're in the Talking Comics feed. You can occasionally find me on Talking Comics itself, haranguing all of the guys. <laughs> so <laughs> They got to yeah, be so, harangued occasionally. I think so. I think it's an important function. Hit Bron went up for that list of gay hockey. Oh, it's so long. I yeah. I have read <laughs> probably hundreds. I, I'm curious how the gender breaks down on those, really. The the gay hockey books and how many of them are female gay hockey stories and how many of them are male gay hockey stories. I mean, I, it's probably like a 90-10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, it's 90-10 fictional and it's the other 90-10 in real life because... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Hockey is the gateway to the queer community in my life. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know yeah. of any queer women that like that or lacrosse or rugby. Susan, what about you? Where can people catch up with you online? Good gosh, I don't even know these days. Um, you know, mostly I'm over on my Substack these days. That's where I'm posting the most. So they can find me, Susan Benville at Substack or. The name of my subset is Swirling Words. 
posting some web comics up there and also some personal essays, just definitely writing about writing, which is a lot easier than actually just writing. So that's what I'm up to. Fantastic. And Alexis, what about you? Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, other things, Latinx Geeks. That's pretty much the spot. And if you want to actually follow me personally, which there's not much going on, it's Rexus92 on all the things as well. Fantastic. And Emily, where can people follow you online? I am at uh, Megamoth on Twitter, Blue Sky, Tumblr, Patreon, Megamoth.net, and Mega underscore Moth on Instagram. Word. And Ben, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, you can always find me at uh, BenConComics.com. Find me on still on Twitter at, at BenTheCon. And definitely sign up for my newsletter, Pros and Con, on Substack, of which just monthly newsletter about news updates, new announcements, and some little looks at old books. So check it out. That'll be coming out monthly until I, for, I get too tired. Pros and con. I just it's 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 really good. I have to tell you. Yeah, it is good. Thank you. Yeah, it's very good. And as for me, you can find me at jroom 58 on Twitter and Instagram and at Jeremy Whitley on Blue Sky and Tumblr. Also my website, jeremywhitley.com. It's desperately in need of an update. But in <laughs> lieu of updating it, you can check out this November, the second book of School for Extraterrestrial Girls is coming out with me and Jamie Noguchi. And then in February, I have The Cold Ever After coming out from Titan with me and Megan Wong. And even as we speak, the miniseries I did called The Unicorn of Odd, which is a My Little Pony's retelling of The Wizard of Oz, is coming out and will be through the end of the year. So you can definitely check that out as well. Some good old-fashioned My Little Pony as for the podcast itself, it's progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm and Prague Horror Pod on Twitter. And we'd love to hear from you. We would love for you to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. Giving us five stars helps us find more people, which helps us make more podcasts, which really benefits you if you think about it. Yes. And I like th- it. <laughs> yeah, and then thanks again to all of our guests for joining us. Bronwyn, Susan, Alexis, it's been a great time. We're so glad to get to watch this movie with you. Thank, hey, you, thank you, thank you so you. much thank for having so us. Thank you so much for having coming on, y'all. I'm slightly less traumatized. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it is we are our not pleasure. sponsors. We are not sponsored by Lyft. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Although, Lyft, give us a call. <laughs> I mean, we are not, but could be sponsored by Lyft. You know? <laughs> Join us uh, next week as we are continuing our our new spin on old stuff by following a particular film that Emily chose for her birthday this year. We will be talking about Shin Godzilla. See you then. Until next time, stay horrified.